welcome, folks, to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, your ambassador of common sense. And this is Dad. I'm the ambassador of nonsense. And uh, you might notice a difference in the quality today because we're recording differently. Usually we, we both record our end and then we slap those together. And this time we've only got one mic, which we are sharing. And uh, so... I guess it's not going to be quite as good, high quality, but uh, we'll make do. Or you might like it better. We don't know. We'll no, see. They're, you, they're not gonna you don't think to like it better. <laughs> okay, so today uh, with our uh, in our podcast, we're going to talk about. Um, well, first of all, we should say Happy Christ the King Sunday, right? So this is the uh, Feast of Christ the King, the last Sunday of um, the liturgical year. Next week starts the beginning of Advent, and um, some of you uh, may not realize the history of Christ the King Sunday. It was originally instituted by Pius XI back in 1925. He called it the Feast of the Kingship of Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Paul VI moved the feast from the last day of an October, the last Sunday in October, which preceded All Saints Day, to uh, this day, the last Sunday of the liturgical year, and renamed it the Solemnity of uh, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the Universe. Um, how do you feel about that name? The King of the Universe. That's the official name of, of Christ the King cl- Feast, isn't you it? You just got a booming voice that yeah, I don't sorry. have. Look how... Okay. Even when I'm clothed, I got to get in front of you in order to make this work. I'll try. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try not to uh, boom so much. Okay. Uh, no, as long as I stay close and you stay where you are, I think uh, we'll make it work. Okay. Um, say that word again. Say that name again. The official name of the feast is Christ, or is they, the um, our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. I don't know. Did you I even know that? No, I didn't. I would have just left it at our Lord Jesus Christ King. Yeah, Christ the King. That's that's uh the the uh to me the King of the Universe has presents two problems. The first of which is it kind of sounds cartoonish. Yeah. Um it's like, like He-Man. Yeah, Masters something. of the Universe kind of thing or something like that. Uh but the second problem I have is that it's a qualification on the kingship of Christ. Uh, which wasn't in the original name of the feast. The the feast was just the kingship of Christ, um, or the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, what if there's something outside the universe? Is he king there? Or (laughs) and uh, even if there isn't, it still sounds cartoonish. I, I, you know what? I might actually start. um, I, I don't know where to start other than maybe on Facebook and start trying to gain a movement to request the name of the feast simply changed to. Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ King. Who names the feast? The Pope. Oh. Pope Pius VI named the, the, the original was Pius XI. Well, then why do we call it just Christ the King? Because that's how it was, um, well, first of all, because that's they short. They were embarrassed. They didn't tell them the whole <laughs> story. Be. Be like, well, we're just going to call it this Christ when we send King. out that's the right. letters. Let's just say this. That's right. Um, so yeah, no, the, the, um, so the Pope names it, and, and it had already been called Christ the King um, prior to Paul VI's movement of the feast and renaming of the feast. 
So people just kept calling it that. Okay. But anyway, happy Christ the King Sunday. <clears throat> and get ready for Advent next week. Okay, so our, uh, you know, that kind of apropos for Advent, uh, because it's the anticipation of the coming of Christ as the Savior of the world, um, we're going to talk about the reality of hell and some of the things that we can perhaps understand about hell um, from the Bible, um, from the Gospels, from the words of Jesus. Um, and I don't think it's going to be a terribly long podcast this time. No, um, probably not. But it's it's something that people should reflect on from time to time. Because of course, the, we say that all the time. Oh, this isn't going this to take a, very long. Yeah, and it takes and then we an end up talking. <laughs> okay, I guess, you know, the big thing about hell is that it's not talked about very often. And, I mean, like today, uh, our priest is delivering his uh, homily, and he says, he's telling us how we are called to bring about a world where Christ is king, and he says things like it's got to be a world of uh, a kingdom of uh, truth, a kingdom of mercy, but he started out saying it's got to be a kingdom of justice, and I thought, wow, because this priest never—I mean—he never steps outside the safety boundaries. His homilies will not uh, uh, offend anyone. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to talk about justice, and he explained justice as treating people fair and. Um, despite their say race or sex oh and i i just thought that was kind of silly and i the the real if you want to see justice you look at two things you look at the cross and you look at the reason for the cross which is to allow us to not go to hell if we take uh advantage of 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 the justice involved in the cross but uh he didn't talk about that. He just, cause nobody yeah. talks about hell anymore. Right. But it's right. there. Right. And you know, the, the, the modern, uh, I, I guess there's a little bit of a tra- transmogrification of the idea of justice. Uh, justice as, as a virtue is, uh, basically giving each person his due. Um, and that is often understood on several levels. One of the levels being, the right allocation of the goods of this world to the various people in this world as we go through life. And that's where this concept of social justice comes from and, and how a certain understanding of justice leads us to say, Hey, God gave us this stuff, this bounty of goods we have. Um, but it's, it, it's not just for us to cling to it and keep it to ourselves. We have a responsibility to use it for God's own will, which also includes charity towards other people. So that's where this idea of justice as charity comes from. But that's not really what justice means. Um, that's not the origin of the idea of justice. The origin is giving each person his due. And the, uh, the, the first thing that we see that we're due is nothing. So the, even the original friendship of God to Adam and Eve was a gratuitous friendship, and then having offended that, 
we deserve eternal punishment. And so that's that's where, you know, at the very least, each one of us, as we're conceived and, and uh, brought into life in the world, we start out being owed absolutely nothing. And the very first time we do something consciously to offend God, we do something wrong, knowing it's wrong, the very first time we incur a debt of justice of eternal punishment. And that's what hell is, and that's what the cross saves us from. As a matter of fact, um, if if you haven't listened to our very first podcast, we go into that quite a bit. That's and right. Explain a lot of that. That's right. So, uh, so you know, let's. So now, what we can do is talk a little bit about some of the analogies that Christ has used to refer to hell, um, and maybe even some of the sobering realizations that that uh, points out about the state of the human soul and our relationship with God, uh, and that idea of nothingness um, without the grace of God. Um, there's a few things that, that come to mind and that over the years have struck me. Uh, one of them is Christ's um, reference. Uh, I think it takes place a couple places in the gospel or a couple of the different versions of the gospels. But he refers to hell as Gehenna, or he refers to Gehenna as the the end place for those um, who are found without grace when they die. And I, th I think a lot of people today understand the word Gehenna to um, kind of just be the, um, I don't know, like the Jewish word for the afterlife or, or, or another word yeah. for hell or something yeah. like that. But it isn't. Uh, Gehenna, uh, by the way, the Jewish word for the, the place of the dead, I think was actually Sheol or something like that, uh, not to be confused with Seoul, the, the capital of South Korea. Um, but Gehenna was the uh, dumping grounds for all the trash and refuse of the city outside of the city. So people would take all their refuse out and they would dump it. And in order to try to you know burn away the refuse, they would have fires going all the time, um, trying to burn it away. And of course, it was filled with with you know maggots and worms and stuff like that and so jesus made reference to gehenna and he talked about people being cast into gehenna where uh the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies um and his his choosing to point out the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies i think is telling because uh, when a fire is burning, let's say in the, the refuse, the real refuse pit, the fire would burn. If the refuse was used up by the fire, the fire would go out. Uh, the fire would be, you know, we say it's quenched, it's, it's done, it's, it's gone out. Um, and of course, once there's nothing more to feed on, the worms die. Uh, now, of course, if they're maggots, we know that, that they actually turn into flies and, and go find somewhere else to lay eggs. But, but the idea in people's minds, the idea that, that Jesus was appealing to here was, was uh, hey, even though there's this Gehenna, this pit of refuse, in the Gehenna that I'm talking about, the Gehenna that's in the afterlife that, that you don't want to get thrown into, 
you're not going to be consumed up. It's not like you're going to go away by being burned up by the flames or by being eaten by the worms. And so he's making the point that this hell that he's referring to is truly forever. Uh, it never stops. The, the state of our soul in that torment, in that uh, pit of, of refuse, um, never stops being there. We, we keep going through it um, all eternity. That's, and that's, I think, something that everybody should be a little bit sobered by. You think, um, it's just something you ought to think about every now and then as, um, as you go through life and you have these little slip ups, um, you, it's possible to lean one way and sit and fret about it. And even after going to confession, um, worry about day and night going to hell but um but most people don't do that most people kind of think well he's not sitting there waiting for me to sin so i could die and go to hell and i'm just not going to worry about it you just keep going on with your life but i think it's healthy to at least think about these things every once in a while even if you are living as you ought to be living right Right, because when you know when we uh, strive to live a good life um, and a holy life, obviously the motivation for that we want that to be the love of Christ. We want to be in a state of love with Christ, and uh, that's you know that should be what drives us, um, rather if, than the fear of hell. But, if you sin. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not living in that love. That's right. That's right. And for that reason, it could be said that the fear of hell might be a little bit of a bigger motivator and a necessary one. Right. Um, now I, when I was, uh, I guess when I was in my late teens, I kind of fell out of, uh, the church for a while. At least I didn't call, I called myself Catholic, but I wasn't practicing. And, for quite a long time, I wasn't practicing, and um, I was kind of, I was putting off, I knew what I had to do, but I was putting it off. I knew I had to get to confession, change my life, but I just kept putting it off. And I was up late one night, and I found, I, I always read a lot, and Mom always had all kinds of religious books. One of the books she has was The Four Last Things. What is it? Death, purgatory, heaven, hell? Not purgatory, but death, judgment. Death, judgment, heaven, heaven hell. hell. Um, I read, I started reading it at around eight o'clock at night. I think I read until five in the morning. And then, uh, that day, that next day, I went to confession for the first time in like 10 years. It's, it's a good motivator. Right. And, and Jesus doesn't dissuade us from helping that to motivate us. In fact, uh, his parable, um, about the, uh, the wedding, uh, with the, um, the groomsmen who were, uh, and, and the bridesmaids who are waiting for the, uh, guests and, 
and they have the lanterns and the oil, and some of them run out of the oil, and they say, oh, we need to go get some more oil, and then the party arrives while they're gone, and then they don't get into the wedding feast. So that's the vigilance over our soul that he's encouraging, uh, not in, in the sense of a paralyzing fear, but in the sense of understanding it as a reality and understanding the necessity of preparation. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of other things, though. Um, you know, we, we think, and appropriately so, okay, God loves each person. After all, that is part of why he died on the cross, right? He, he, he died to restore justice to the Father, but he made that death sacrificial out of love for us, uh, and with it repaid not only uh, the debt of justice to the Father, but, but extended that in a superabundance of grace that we can partake in now to also join him in heaven. Uh, obviously, this, you know, this is an act of, of infinite love. But look at some of the other analogies that Christ uses when he's talking about hell. Um, one example is the parable of the farmer whose servant comes in and says, hey, the enemy has sown uh, weeds in our field. Should I go and pull them up? And he says, no, let the weeds and the crop grow together because uh, otherwise you might pull, pull up some of the crop, some of the wheat. And then at the end uh, of the season, when it's harvest time, First, gather up the weeds and bundle them and burn them. Now, and, and he explains later to his apostles, he, he explicitly points out that the weeds are those who live in sin, those who serve the evil one, who, uh, those who aren't going to go to heaven, those who are without the grace, uh, of God. And, you know, as a as a bit of a sideline on that, um, all of the uh, the 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 rapture uh, that you know people have heard about this rapture theory and yeah. seen a yeah. lot of the left behind literature. This kind of flies in the face of that because Jesus he says at the end of the world, uh, the Father will send His angels to gather up the wicked first like the weeds, to be cast into the fire and burned, well, guess what? Those left behind are the righteous. Not the wicked. When that happens, not the wicked, exactly. So anyway, but that's the point, is that those who are wicked, those who are without the grace of God, are trash. They're to be burned. They're counted as nothing. They're They're not gathered into the barn, uh, which is heaven. You know, the... so. On the, uh, you know, just a side note there, uh, that is kind of an explanation or uh, of why uh, God allows bad people to continue their existence here, doing bad things and hurting other people. That's right. That's right. He says, you know, don't pull the weeds yet, lest you pull up some of the wheat while you're at it. Uh, let them grow together first when we can, you know, clearly distinguish and separate them. And also, uh, this also kind of uh, flies in the face of the, um, the I guess, the, the theology of some Protestant uh, churches that 
once you're saved, you're always saved. Um, if it was the case that once you're saved, you're always saved, uh, there would be no need to let everything keep growing together. We could know right away, you know, who's saved and who's not. And then, of course, we could separate them and pull up the, the non-saved, get yeah, them out of here, whatever. Yeah. But people fall and then they come back. They, they rest, are restored to grace through the sacraments. Um, and God has to allow us all to continue together to allow each one of the, those people who have fallen or who have not yet accepted him the fullest opportunity to accept him. Because until that person dies outside of the state of grace, uh, we can't conclude that he's a weed, that he's, that he's, you know, part of the trash, that he's the unsaved and so forth. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen until it's over, until that person has died. Well, even then you don't know what's going to well, happen. We don't know. But, right. uh, yeah, it's, you, he, he's going to allow all this and he's going to allow it to harm people even mm -hmm. until the end. Right. Right. Um, and you know, to, to, I guess just reinforce the same point, um, about the state of human soul without grace. Another image that, uh, that Jesus uses in the gospel is that of a, um, of a, of a, a winnowing of, of wheat with, with, uh, when you harvest wheat and you pull it in, you've got all this wheat and, and, and you've got the, the seeds off of the stalk and everything. But, uh, and then you want to take that, you want to grind it up and use it for flour. Well, the part of the wheat that, that makes, that really kind of makes the flour, uh, is the, you know, inside the, the seed itself. Seeds. Um, but the outer skin of the seed, uh, along with, you know, maybe some pieces of the stalk and all that kind of stuff, um, there's a lot of that mixed in with there that doesn't really make for very good flour. And of course it doesn't make for good planting for, you know, the next harvest of wheat or anything like that. And so they have this uh, process called winnowing where they sift the wheat, uh, through the air and they have a fan. And what happens is the heavier seed of the wheat falls straight down, but in the breeze created by the fan, the uh, this pieces of skin and and so forth the the, the outer husk of the wheat uh, are blown away. They call that chaff. So the chaff gets blown away, and the 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 good seed itself falls straight down through. Well, where is this? He he talks about the winnowing fan and 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 the uh, separating the chaff from the wheat. I've never heard, or That's, I I don't recall that. I uh, guess well, you know, okay. I, wish I, I wish I had the exact. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'll have to come okay. up with that next week, but it's in there. Um, I so again, probably I heard that, but um, <laughs> I didn't know what these things were, oh, and so right. it didn't mean anything to me when I heard it. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, you know that that's one of the things about Jesus is, um, uh, you know, when when he talks to people, uh, almost everything he says involves some kind of image. He he rarely speaks in mere uh, abstractions. Yeah, and uh, it's worth uh, if there's if if there's something that he says that doesn't bring an image to your mind, it's worth looking up about that, finding out what well, what does that mean? Right. Um, and I think a lot of times the the images. I think a lot of times what he does is he brings up an image and then he puts a twist on it. Um, 
for example, he, he you know refers to the kingdom. He says it's like a mustard seed, that it's the smallest of seeds, which then grows into a bush so large, you know, the birds come and make their nests. Um, well, I, I don't yeah. think... I don't think mustard plants actually get that large, and I don't think they got that large back then, but they certainly had smallest seeds, and I think that was the twist he was putting, the image. He was saying, imagine if a mustard seed grew so large into a plant so large that birds came and built their nests in it. That's what the kingdom's like. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, so those are... Uh, Without going into the abstractions about justice and punishment and that kind of stuff, those are the images that Jesus brings up regarding um, hell. Uh, not just hell, but regarding the state of the human soul that refuses the grace of God. So outside God's grace, this is what we become. We become worth less than nothing. We become trash uh, to be disposed and dealt with. And then uh, he, in a couple of other parables, he, he actually brings in the idea of the punishment of hell. Uh, the wedding parable is one, um, and he refers to people being left outside of the wedding feast. Um, and he talks about uh, people, what does he say? He says, where there is uh, gnashing, gnashing of, of teeth. teeth. And... Yeah, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Um, so clearly this is not, uh, pleasant. This isn't, this isn't just a, okay, you don't exist anymore. There's, there's no, uh, kind of nihilism, um, in what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, Hey, if, if you don't get into the, the wedding feast, um, you're going to be, uh, outside miserable. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, it's not, um, you don't just get to cease existing as a lot of people will uh insist it's it's more than that and i imagine you would want that but um that's not in the deal he made us for um eternal life yeah that's how he created us rejecting him doesn't change our nature it just makes the nature worse. Right, right. In it, fact, you know, that that's... Or that's, our state worse. I think that's a, a, the way you said that you might want to stop existing. You know, I think sometimes, um, or in some way, I think some of the torment of hell uh, comes exactly from that desire. I think what uh, what happens is that we are in a state of rebellion against our own existence. Yeah. Um, but that existence is never going to go away. And, you know, I think even people who intellectually might say, yeah, they believe in hell, whatever. Yeah, sure, you know, that's what the church teaches, mm -hmm. I believe in hell. Um, I think there's a strong temptation to feel like, well, God could not really let me end up in a place like that of, you know, forever, no yeah. more chances. Uh, you know, we, we have this, uh, you know, everybody talks in, in, within life about things like second chance, another chance. I deserve another chance. Mm -hmm. And I think people don't, um, 
it's almost like they can't connect with the idea that you can run out of chances. Um, yeah, you're going to get to a point at some, I mean, and everybody does get to that point where that's it. Whatever your decision was, we're going with that no matter what. And um, I think a lot of times it's it's not good. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, even in life, there are appropriately uh, structures of rules set up that that um, if you don't comply with them, you you run out of chances. You don't get second chances necessarily. Um, I think it's a good thing that life has that because it it is a way to understand the reality of hell. Um, I mean, for example, you know they 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 got this big, uh, you know nationwide lottery the the powerball thing that uh, all the states participate in and um sometimes the prizes get pretty big if nobody wins it for a while the jackpots can go into the hundreds of millions um i think what i think one time it even got to like one point you gotta get a little closer than yeah, <laughs> i think one time it even got to like 1.2 billion or something like that just just way up there yeah they get pretty high so imagine if you bought a ticket and it was the winning ticket, and it was the jackpot ticket, and and uh, the jackpot's called, and hey, now you've got this ticket, you're you know, you're a, a eight hundred millionaire or whatever, okay. Now you have one year to claim the ticket, and suppose that for whatever reason, for reasons that even seem completely legitimate, from one week to the next. Uh, life leads you along a string of 52 weeks in which you never make that act of claiming that ticket, whatever it is that has to be done. Uh, and the 53rd week comes around and suddenly you realize your year's up. Well, guess what? You don't Done. get, you don't get squat out of that lottery winnings. It's gone. Well, you know, how would you feel if you had let that happen to yourself while you're holding on to that multi-hundred million dollar winning ticket? Well, okay, uh, that feeling um, uh, is not the, I, I don't believe it's the entirety of the uh, punishment of hell, uh, but just realizing uh, after you've died that you don't have any more chances and you've been going along life ignoring opportunities to return to God's grace, to participate in God's grace, and now you're out of opportunities it. and, and it's done. It, you, you don't get it. Okay, well, you know, that, uh, you know, that lottery ticket is a minutia compared to the kingdom of heaven that you've given up. Yeah. And the thing is, we've all got that lottery ticket all the time. That's right. And it's, uh, it's not so much cashing in once, but, um, but we've all got it. And all you got to do is, uh, turn to God and use it. And, uh, you know, I, I surprised when people refuse to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, and like I said, I, I really think it, uh, for some reason, 
people give into this temptation to think, well, because God loves people, he couldn't actually, you know, have it arranged that I end up in hell. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, maybe Hitler could, but not me. I mean, I'm nice to people. I, I didn't, I didn't kill Jews or, you know, whatever. Um, well, you know what? That's not really what it's about. It's, it's about the grace of God. It's about, uh, living and dying in the Lord. And it's about being washed in the blood of the lamb because we all sin. So I think that's about, uh, all I've got to, uh, give the topic. Yeah. I don't have much to add there. Um, what do we got in current events? We've got, you see all kinds of small things happening and I'm, Hey, did you see about the woman that, uh, was trying to cross over the, the, the wall and no. fell? She, she this woman, herself? yeah, she's, she's trying to, she's got two young kids and I, you know, this is okay. We, we would, we could point to the stupidity of the woman. I rather like to point to the irresponsibility of those who are egging on uh, these people, uh, like this caravan and so forth, yeah. trying to, to egg on and bring about this uh, confrontation. Uh, because re- regardless of whether the woman was part of that caravan, and, and she says that she wasn't, um, certainly her actions are in some way affected and, and some of her motivations um, are being manipulated by this uh, this atmosphere of challenge to our uh, border policies. So she has these two young children and she's trying to climb over a part of the wall that is under construction and she fell and impaled herself on rebar. Impaled? Yeah, it went uh, it went right through her side. What about the kids? Uh, the kids, I don't know whether they were with her. I don't know whether she was planning on trying to help them over the wall later or what. Uh, she did not die. She was discovered and taken to um, yeah. a hospital, so she's still alive. Uh, hopefully, she'll think a little bit and take better care of her kids uh, after that experience. But, you know, the, this to me, this just points out the almost absurd irresponsibility of those who are trying to bring about this this big confrontation and trying to drive people yeah. to just ignore our laws at the border. Yeah. Well, see, uh, so there was a protest by the Mexicans in the city of Tijuana. Yeah. Because they're getting pissed off about all these uh, caravans. Should you say that in the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then there's other, there's something else. Okay. Um, Trump has announced that the migrants seeking asylum have to wait in Mexico. Right. And... Um, he says that's what's going to happen. Now, Mexico's incoming foreign minister um, is saying there has not been an agreement reached with Trump. But um, I guess the new guy takes power on December 1st. And I guess we'll see what happens then. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and I, I read something about that. The, um, the outgoing, um, <clears throat> what does Mexico have? A prime minister or a president? The outgoing, I guess, um, uh, also, I also said that no agreement had been reached, but was quoted in another newspaper as saying that an agreement had been reached. So we're not really quite sure what's going on here. There's a little bit of, uh, Maybe he's like Trump. Maybe he just likes to keep the press kind of off kinda balance, <laughs> and who knows. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of Trump, uh, CNN has dropped its lawsuit against Trump oh, for kicking the, the Acosta thing? out. Yeah, and then the so they came to their senses. The White House has issued a set of four uh, rules that or guidelines. That the press is going to have to uh, um, follow follow in order to uh, be in those press briefings. Yeah, I if I were Trump, I wouldn't have done that. I would have just after the judge ordered Acosta come back in, I would have uh, just called off all press press briefings. Yeah, so look, just, if you're not going to be civil with me, then you're not going to get to talk to me. And uh, this guy ruined it for everyone, so blame him. Yeah. And maybe here and there I'll have one guy come in and interview me, and I'll talk to him alone. I don't know. But oh, no, that's not could, what he did. He could go back to the, uh, what was it, FDR who did the fireside chat yeah. on the radio. He could do he could do all kinds of things. He doesn't have to give a press briefing. Right. But, and uh, he, can, he can give a press uh, release. He, he, yeah, he could just say, he, here, He doesn't read have it. to answer questions. This is what our... This is what we're saying right now. Yeah, it's good that oh, he does. Well, well you know, the right. press uh, had had been getting unruly before. He's, he, Trump's not the first one who had to say, all right, we've got to set some rules down for how you behave in these press briefings. Um, Ronald Reagan was the one that uh, established the habit of calling on people. They, yeah. They were just, they would shout out anything and, and presidents would feel, well, it was just getting so loud and unruly that, that President Reagan said, all right, one at a time. Yeah, and, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, NASA. Let's see. Oh, yeah. They what? select uh, Jezero Crater. Is that how you say that? Jezero? Looks like Jezero. Crater on Mars. Or Jezero. I don't know. That's where the landing site for the Mars 2020 rover is going to be. Um, they're saying it once was a large lake. I don't know how they would know that. How do they know that's not a crater? Maybe the uh, the formations of sand that could only form in water or something like that? I, uh, or maybe it's just a dip. Yeah, or maybe, I don't know. <laughs> oh, well. They're saying it was a large lake at one time, and if there's any evidence of ancient life, it would most likely be there. Oh, that so, would be interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, speaking of Mars, they've got a... Um, a uh, land uh, rover, whatever you call it, uh, that's going to land there. Uh, I think this week it, uh, it's going to do the it, the Insight um, rover. It's going to land and um, use uh, some seismic instruments and, and geothermal instruments to do a little bit of um, deep planet exploration on Mars. It'll be the first one to do uh, deep subsurface. Uh, testing. You would think that if they're planning on sending one in 2020, they would wait to choose where to send it 
until they get information back from this one landing. In, I didn't know there was one landing there in a week. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. You would think. You would think. Uh, but you know, maybe they've maybe they've got multiple Mars um, missions going, yeah. like overlapping going on, and, and maybe this will yield information that will be selected for maybe a twenty twenty two or something yeah. like that. Um, so, um, okay. Did you hear about this guy uh, in this quote missionary landing in the North Sentinel Island? In the to try to uh, convert the Sentinelese people. Okay. Um, this is an island nobody's allowed to uh, go to this island because the people there are um, they've not had any contact with the civilized world and they don't even understand that there is a civilized world. So when you say nobody's allowed to land there. I think kind of a I don't like, understand like by international tree like like kind of like like the I Star Trek so. like hey we're not going to interfere with with backwards planets kind of thing on Star Trek that that kind of nobody's allowed I think so well that's I, isn't that the stupidest thing though yeah it is but this 27 year old missionary um who doesn't know anything about these people doesn't speak the language or anything decide he's going to go anyway and he Pulls up on a boat, gets on the shore, and then he's shot down by arrows, and that's it. Wait a minute. He's gone. Is it arrows? I think so. Spears or arrows or something. It had to be spears. Why not arrows? Well, I don't think arrows are an obvious thing to develop, especially for an island of I isolated people. I don't know. But anyway, well, <laughs> okay, that's... Well, he's gone. That's, yeah, it, that was kind of foolish of him, um... You know, it's it's foolish not to bring these people into, you know, the rest of the world. But uh, that's the kind of thing you don't do unilaterally. Yeah. Uh, even as a Christian missionary, um, you know, you you work together with the broader church to do sometimes that. Sometimes with a military. And sometimes with a military. Yeah. To that's, keep yourself from getting killed. That's but, right. That's right. Um, not to force people to convert, but to keep yourself from getting killed. <laughs> that's right. Um, Christian military, not Muslim. Let's see. North Korea, um, they blew up like 10 of their guard posts along the DNZ as uh, part of their agreements with South Korea. So, you know, just these little steps that are getting closer to uh, peace between North and South Korea and maybe North Korea and America. Who knows? So, so far as we can tell... They are complying with the agreements that they've worked out with Trump. Yeah. Now, some people are saying, no, it's not going fast enough. Or I, I there's all kinds of speculation going on about them not doing what they said they would do. But I don't hear anything official saying that they're not doing what they said they were going to do. Right. I, I, don't, right. I don't think anyone knows yet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, South Korea just closed down their biggest dog meat packing uh, plant. So, no more hot yeah. dogs in South Korea. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Meat, meat slaughter, dog meat slaughterhouse is what it was. They yeah. closed it down. I don't know what they're going to eat now if they I, decide to go to cows or... 
goats. Well, it, was there a problem with dogs? What do you mean? With eating dogs? I mean, why did they close it down? They just... I don't know. So but, it may have had nothing to do with the fact that it was dog meat. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. We should look that up. I should look these things up before I start talking about them. I'm just announcing. This is what you know happened. What? They shut down the, shut meat, down the plant, dog meat plant. The okay. Slaughterhouse. Well, you know what? That's fine. Listeners, you can go look look some of this stuff up. Uh, we're here to put the questions in your head, okay? Yeah. And then tell us. Let us know. That's right. We got a comment section. Uh, let's see. Workers at Amazon distribution centers in Germany and Spain protest labor conditions. Uh, and this strike that went on uh, coincided with Black Friday shopping. Um, I don't know what kind of conditions they had to put up with. Um, I think someday we got to talk about Amazon and their, quote, monopoly and uh, just about all that stuff. Monopoly on... Uh, on, on uh, on all online, online sales. sales. Yeah, I mean they're they're pretty powerful. <laughs> they, they they are pretty. But they started as just books. They yeah, were, they were going to be a bookseller, and and uh, I remember you know all the the hand wringing over uh, bookstores and how they would affect bookstores closing. And they did, and a lot of bookstores did have to close their doors. Uh, there are a few that are still in operation. There are plenty of people who um, like to go look at the books before they buy them. I don't think or that who they... browse before you know before they buy. Like you know, there's Barnes and Noble stores. There's uh, there are books of millions, and I think there are a lot of boutique bookstores that hold special kinds of collections, whether it's uh, rare books or old books or whatever. I don't think they closed because of Amazon, though. Mm-hmm. I think all the bookstores closed because of eBooks, which had nothing to do with Amazon. Could be, could be. I, you know, ebook Maybe sales. Some of them. Uh, I don't know. That's that would be a. Uh, that's one of those research projects, and if somebody major in economics could maybe do a research project for his dissertation or something on that. Um, yeah, isn't Amazon? Aren't they the ones who tried to patent the shopping cart? They tried to patent the uh, one-click uh, shopping. So you've got it set up so that. Uh, you see something that you want to order, and with by pushing a single click on a particular link, it puts it in your cart, orders it, charges it to your card, and it's all done with that one click. They patented that. That's what they patented. That's what they patented. Okay. But you know what? They also patented the color orange for the, the smiley part of their logo. They patented the color. Yeah. Can you imagine? So, yeah. yeah. Uh... Amazon has been, uh, you know, one of the guilties on the uh, absurd patent um, explosion. Um, but uh, as far as I know, they've, uh, you know, the things that they did, did patent, in particular, uh, were not really things that anybody had done before. So, okay, well, you know, I one, thought... one of the things for a patent is it has to be non-obvious. Well, if nobody's done it before. How do you claim that it was obvious? Um, because the... It seems obvious. What, like one-click shopping is... I I don't see how that's not obvious. I mean, 
But yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it seems obvious, right? But only in retrospect, because until they did it, nobody else had. Well, was it because they did, didn't know how, or they just hadn't done it? Oh, no, the technology I mean, was there. The technology for a one-click experience online shopping has been there way before Amazon came along. Now, I think generally I wouldn't even use one-click shopping because I always want to give people a chance. Okay, is this how you want to do it? Are you sure? Yeah. And it, I would think it would cut down a lot of returns and things like that. Exactly. And, I, you know, I think they kind of, they still support it, but I think they actually downplay it mm. on the website probably for that very reason. Because in order to be so successful as the online retailer um i mean they're they're think of them as uh in some ways the online version of walmart well one of the things that makes walmart easy for people to shop at is that they take almost anything back you can return almost anything no questions asked uh even if you don't have a receipt they'll take it back and give you a store credit um for the uh, you know the lowest price of the thing within the last ninety days or whatever it is, but you can take almost anything back to Walmart. Well, Amazon has to be the same way if they want to, especially with online purchases. Uh, plus, they have to support all the people that say, "Hey, it never arrived," and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, in order to cover that, um, yeah, the. The, the one-click, you know, that's one of those things that increases their liability for those returns. So you'd think that, that they would want to downplay that a little bit. Mm. I don't have any other uh, current events. I think we're done. Yeah, I uh, I think we're done too. Uh, oh, well, you know what? We can make one more mention because it's, it's still going on. Uh, it's still news. Um, fire in California. I think the death is up to still happening. 87 now and there's 400 and something people still reported missing so Jeez. you know our prayers go out to them and their families yeah. uh, as always um, but wow that's yeah, yeah. That, uh, so start managing your force California yeah yeah you owe it to your citizens <laughs> alright uh, think about what we said thanks for joining us on a podcast called Catholic Things and we'll see you next week Thank you.